You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hey, welcome to Aging Starts Now, episode 45. We're going to talk about probate today, and with me is Chris Johnson, partner attorney and VA accredited attorney. But we're going to talk about probate. What's probate, Chris? Probate, legally speaking, if you really break it down to the definition, it is the proving of the will. That's what the old definition is. Now, what we affectionately refer to probate is the full process of bringing the will to court, proving the will, and then administering the estate via the terms of the will so that the decedents, the deceased individuals, last testament on earth, their instructions with how their estate should be divvied up are honored. And it is done under what I call judicial scrutiny and judicial oversight to make sure that it is done appropriately so that creditors are paid and the appropriate people receive the appropriate distributions. So we take that dear diary document we were talking about that says, this is what I hope happens to my stuff. And we go to court and, and we promise in front of the judge that we're going to honor this this will and we're going to faithfully execute it, right? I mean, that's just simple. That's, that's a simple way of thinking about it. Um, it. But everybody doesn't have to go through probate. Everybody doesn't even need to go through probate, uh, I don't think. And it depends a lot on what assets we're trying to distribute. A lot of times, and people can relate to this, if you're married, the first to die um, most often does not need a probate process because most married couples own things together. And so those joint assets would become the survivor's property assets and would escape probate through um, just through that joint ownership process. Uh, the second to die, though, often will go through probate if uh, changes to their estate plan are not made, right? So that because then we're talking about probably taking assets and distributing them to the children upon that second to die. That's exactly right. And and in today's world, uh, it becomes an even bigger issue because more and more we're seeing blended families and, and people after a spouse passes away, some people choose to get remarried. And then uh, the distribution plan and, and how that needs to be mapped out can get very complex very quickly and making sure that all of those ducks, proverbial ducks are in a row are going to matter a great deal at that time. Um, Is probate really expensive in Tennessee? No, no, but it is costly and depending on uh, the complexity of the estate and uh, if uh, how it's being billed for too, you know, there are probate estates that can be open for longer periods of time. And if you're uh, paying hourly for some very uh, 
complex issues or if the will is being contested or uh, something like that. It can go up rather quickly, but if you have a pretty standard probate process, it, it's, it's certainly not going to break the bank by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, like anything in today's world, if you don't have to pay a few thousand dollars, why would you pay it? And the question is, uh, do we want to avoid probate and how would we want to go about doing that, Barbara? You know, to me, it's it's not just costly in terms of dollars and cents, uh, and it may be money that does or does not need to, to be spent, which is some proper planning. But I think of the, the hassle factor, the time and energy cost that goes into the probate process. Of course, not mine. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. That's that's one of that's part of how we get paid, right? That's how what we do for a living. But if I'm thinking about as a as a child or a survivor of someone, I think the hassle factor in time and energy uh, is is a high cost to pay. Some of the reasons that you might want to have probate, which is what I think you ask, would be if. I have a trust inside my will, and the only way that trust can come to life and serve the purpose of protecting a disabled individual is to go through that probate process. And then it's certainly worthwhile because um, the effort, the energy, the money that goes into establishing that special needs trust for the survivor, whether it's a surviving spouse or child, uh, could save thousands of dollars in, in government benefits and the ability to care for and provide for that person. So I think that that's a situation where it's certainly worthwhile. And, well, you plan for it. You know that that's what's going to happen to your will and your estate. That's right. Well, in that case, like a lot of different estate planning documents, Probate's a tool, and in, in the testamentary trust realm, it's a very effective tool and, and can do a lot of good and, and bring a lot of financial security and financial certainty to those uh, families who have, who have set up uh, an estate plan such as that. And so it, it is really a question of, is it the right tool for you? And that's where sitting down with the attorney and walking through what your goals are, what are you worried about? What things, what fears do we want to uh, kind of mitigate? And what planning goals are we striving for? And then seeing, is this the right tool for what we're trying to accomplish? All right. So sometimes families come in and when they're talking about wanting to um, avoid probate or not, and they ask about how much does it cost, they also ask, how long does it take? Um, is that something that, that you hear a lot too, that people wonder if it's going to take a long time or? Um, All the time. It's one yeah. of the top. I mean, how, how long is this going to take? How much is this going to cost are probably the two most common questions with the probate process. And how long is it going to take is one of those things where you kind of respond with the initial lawyerly answer, which is, it depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends what we're going to find. Uh, it depends if there are any lingering issues out there that need to be resolved. Um, I have a frustrating one right now that's still open because the IRS has not issued its final refund check. 
and uh, trying to prod the IRS to do anything can be difficult sometimes. They're, it's a large bureaucracy and it's, it's kind of hard to beat down those walls. But in general terms, what you should think about is once you've met with the attorney, they'll get the documents drafted, get signatures that, uh, for the documents that need to be signed and get them submitted to the court. You'll get document do, uh, docketed on the court's docket, and it'll uh, you'll be looking at probably a month or so for that process to go forward if things are humming. And then you're going to have a creditor period. Uh, and some people are surprised to hear that, but there's a, a four-month window where any lawful creditors of the decedent can file a claim with the estate and say, we wish to be paid. And then there's a negotiation process uh, that can take place. Uh, and then we have to look, is the can the estate cover the lawful debt? Uh, and there are all sorts of little issues that go into that. And then once that creditor period, so in a perfect world, let's say that creditor period comes and goes, and there are a few miscellaneous small claims easily payable by the estate, uh, then it's just a, a matter of Hey, making sure that we have accounted for everything and then we can start making distributions at that point. But you're still at that point, you're looking at a minimum of half a year. Uh, and that's if everything goes well. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, we can all think of outliers where it was open, the, the probate estate was open for years uh, for various reasons. But a fairly typical, straightforward probate that, in my experience, could be wrapped up, I say eight to 12 months is what I tell people to expect. Um, and then nobody's usually disappointed if we can close sooner than that. Yep. And I think that's um, it doesn't, doesn't really mean that money, if there's money in the estate, let's just say assets in the estate, can't be distributed um, until it's closed. So you can do some partial distributions, but I usually like to wait until I get through that creditor period of time before I start recommending any uh, distributions. Is that what you recommend? Absolutely. While the creditor period is open, you, you lack the most important thing that you want to have, and that's certainty. And what you don't want to do is start making distributions and then leave yourself with not enough assets in the estate accounts to cover a potential creditor down the road that maybe you just didn't see coming. And so to have that creditor period close and get that certainty that we know what the claims on the estate are, and then at that point, we can start making partial distributions and feel very certain and uh, confident that we're not going to have any uh, financial issues down the road where the estate can't cover the debt. And, and that is vitally important. Uh, if you're serving as the per personal representative, uh, it's your job to make sure that all of these things are wrapped up and that the bills are paid and appropriate distributions are made. And you just don't want to take that chance. It would be, it would take a real strange set of circumstances for me to advise otherwise. So what is your um, best piece of advice for someone? What should someone do after someone dies? What's one of the first things that they should do? So I, I, I always, I have my, my 
three things that I tell people, this is what you're going to go through when you have a loved one pass away. You're going to have the grieving process and that's going to be different for everyone. And you're, you're going to have to know that it's there and know that you're going through it. You're going to have to, during that process, go make sure that the final arrangements are established and, and that all of that is taken care of. And then the third thing you're going to want to do is you are going to want to reach out to an attorney because you are now going to have to wrap up the affairs and you are going to want to find all of the key documents. So if there is a will and you are aware of it, it's one of the first things I would do is go grab that and secure it. Make sure it is kept somewhere safe. Uh, it, you know, if there are any trust documents, uh, all of our documents come in a handy dandy binder um, with with a good explanation for what everything is. And so it's kind of one stop shopping. You find that binder and you have all those critical documents. But you want to get those documents to the attorney so that they can review them and they can tell you, okay, here are going to be the next steps. Maybe they have uh, a very good probate avoidance plan in place and they, and they aren't going to need probate. And that is a good thing to know before you start filing to open probate and realize, hey, we didn't have to do this. Uh, but if they do need probate, you want to know what's coming down the road and you want to have everything kind of mapped out. And so that's the first thing is take care of those very important things, the, the grieving and the final arrangements. But the second you are ready and it's different for everyone, get the key documents, get them and yourself in front of your attorney and start having the discussion of where do we go from here. The only thing that I would add to that, and it's just because uh, I've heard it from from family members over, over the years, is securing the assets. You know, you talked about securing that the will to make sure that those estate planning documents cannot be destroyed or lost, but actually securing the house if there's a house. Too many times, folks are in for the funeral and they're wanting to start taking something um, you need to make sure that a written memorandum doesn't show up uh, with specific bequests and you want to secure items uh, I think and that sounds a little cynical um, especially after your sensitive res response about dealing <laughs> with with grieving and stuff but you know, if you're the executor of an estate or you're going to be appointed the executor of a state, one of the things you are charged with is protecting the assets. And that may mean even changing locks on a house. And you know what, Barbara, that's not cynical. And and it, it really needed to be mentioned. And, and here's one of the reasons why people tend to forget that, unfortunately, there's always one or two people lurking that just don't have always the best of intentions uh, and valuable items can get legs and walk away. And I think that's putting it mildly and, and very politely. Uh, and that's wholly inappropriate. And unfortunately, uh, it's just part of our society and a factor we have to deal with. And, and the reality is the attorney isn't there to paint you the rosiest picture of how things should go. 
The attorney's there to prevent things from going wrong and to make sure everything is done legally and above board. And making sure that those items are secure is is of the utmost importance. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because some people are kind of, they get the paralysis by analysis. They're, they're frozen. They so badly don't want to do anything wrong that they fail to do some fundamental things right. And getting everything secured is one of those fundamental things that if you haven't done that on the front end, it, it will bite you on the back end. Well, good words to end with. And so we're going to wrap this episode up. I've enjoyed talking with you and appreciate our listeners. So stay tuned for more episodes of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 